shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit there. This is the belt of truth, I think. It's just a, it's like more, more of like a skirt of truth, but the, <laughs> that's that. And then, of course, the breastplate of righteousness. And I know what you're thinking. Why does he have the sunglasses on? Right? I, I have an addition. It's the, the glasses of the kingdom. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Anyways. The kingdom. Seek first the kingdom, right? So yeah, we are diving into a new series this morning. Uh, we've been on a series through the book of Ephesians. I did not plan this when we were doing the Ephesians series. In fact, I didn't know exactly what I was going to preach on for the sixth chapter of Ephesians. Uh, but when we got there, of course, the, the, big, the big chunk of chapter six is on spiritual warfare, and in particular, the armor of God. And as I was studying it, I thought, you know, there's no way I could spend one Sunday talking about spiritual warfare, the reality of spiritual warfare. And so we are continuing. It's like a transitional series um, about the armor of God and, and really how important it is for us to know this. It, it really is an important topic. Um, just a little bit of a recap from our previous sermon. We talked about how the Christian life is a battle. It really is a battle, right? It's, it, it's not rosy and fun and games when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now, of course, there are great times. God really does pour out his blessing upon us, and we do go through seasons where we worship God and everything is just awesome, but then we encounter trials, and, and they seem to come out of nowhere sometimes, uh, and we battle a lot of different things. We battle against our old self. We battle against sin. We battle against temptation. We battle against thought patterns, destructive thought patterns. And, and we, we battle against circumstances just, that just come out of nowhere. And, and we talked about how all of this has an origin. And it was shocking to find out that in the church, now I'm not saying our church here, but in the church in general in North America, the idea of Satan or the enemy People don't believe in the existence in the church. I'm talking about in the church. Don't actually believe that there is a devil or there is a being that is behind all that goes on. And um, it was shocking to, to, to learn about that. But if you think about it and, and think about the evil patterns of this world, there is an intelligence behind that in the way that humans can do the things that they do. I mean, it, it, there is a spiritual origin and it's got intelligence there. I mean, even think about the thought patterns that come into our lives that speak over your lives. You know, the things that you, you may hear just over and over again that break you down. There's an intelligence behind those thoughts and, and it, is, it is the devil. It's Satan, the deceiver, the accuser. But we talked about how our strength comes from God that we can have victory, that we can walk in victory, and that our strength comes from God. And so we're going to look at that passage again in Ephesians chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you could turn to that this morning, Ephesians 6. If not, no worries. It's going to be up on the screen. But uh, Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to be reading verses 10 to 18. Um, here we go. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you. We acknowledge that you are God and that it is in your strength that we can stand firm, that our strength comes from you, Our victory comes from you over all the power of the enemy because you have the authority. We thank you that we can stand in the victory of Jesus Christ, that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead works in us. And so God, speak to us this morning. Speak to me. Use these words, Lord. Would you anoint them for your purposes? In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever been in a situation where you're looking at something? Perhaps you're looking at an object. Maybe you're looking at it. Maybe you meet someone. And you just, you, you look at the, the object and, or, or, or a person. You, you look at that and you, suddenly your thought process just comes alive. And, and, and you begin to remember something or, and, or it, it begins to speak to you. Do you know what I'm talking about here? I mean, this happens to me quite a lot if I see somebody eating a a McDonald's cheeseburger. (laughs) I look at that cheeseburger and I think, oh man, that looks good. And I think, what would it be like? Oh, taking a bite, the pickle. Mmm, the pickle, the one pickle. Mmm, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? You you start, your imagination just starts to, 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 to roll, right? I don't mean that kind of imagination, but um, kind of like this. So this past weekend, we had an encounter weekend here at the church uh, together with Catch the Fire Kitchener. Um, it was really wonderful to be able to uh, come and, and join with uh, Catch the Fire to put on this encounter weekend. And uh, during the, the weekend, there was a worship leader, and uh, she was just, wow, so anointed and as she was leading worship, actually, I, I, I was able to, to chat with her and just, as I was looking at her, man, she reminds me of somebody I know. Just the way she looked, the way she talked, even the voice. Have you ever met someone like that? Where you, what's the word? Doppelganger, right? You, you meet someone, you're like, man, this person looks like that person, sounds like that person, even behaves in some ways like this person, right? And so I was, I was watching this worship leader and just, Watching her lead worship, it was so powerful. And, and the person that I know that she reminded me of is not yet a follower of Jesus. And, and I was just thinking, I'm like, wow, what if, what if God transformed 
this person's life. And I, I just began to, to ponder what that would look like, to, to see her leading worship, to see her singing praises to God. And I was like, wow, that'd be awesome. And then, and then this thought just came into my mind, just out of nowhere, and it was pray for her until that happens. And I was like, okay, I will. I will because I believe that, you know, nothing's impossible with God and that maybe the Lord, you know, brought that to my attention for that very reason. And so, um, yeah, I mean, has that kind of thing ever happened to you? Maybe you've had this kind of experience before. Let me, you know, just picture this scenario. You're going for a walk. You're at the park, and it's a beautiful day, kind of like today. And you're walking, and you see just a, a bush of flowers, and, and all of a sudden you see a butterfly. And for some reason, you, you just zero in on the butterfly. All the noise in the park just subsides, and you're focused on this butterfly. And, and you realize, wow, that's it's beautiful. And then you come to think, wait, what does it take for a butterfly to become a butterfly? I mean, at one point, it was a caterpillar. And then this caterpillar went through a process of transformation, a metamorphosis, where it becomes something totally different. And you, and, and you begin to ponder this. You begin to realize, you know, the steps that it takes. And, and then you're reminded of your own life, how you were transformed, that your life has been totally changed because of Jesus Christ, how Jesus delivered you from the domain of darkness into his kingdom of marvelous light. How before knowing Jesus, you were one way, and then after coming to know Jesus, you were totally different, completely different, transformed. And you just realize the old has passed away, the new has begun. And God just speaks to you about that. You know, maybe some of us, we have had experiences like this. This is one of the ways the Lord communicates to us through nature through pictures, through situations, through circumstances, through other people. God suddenly brings to our mind a thought process that wasn't necessarily in our frame of thinking at the time. It's like it comes from here, like that. And your imagination begins to unfold, and God begins to speak to you, and, and you see things with a new perspective. God gives you vision. God gives you courage. God gives you peace. He gives you hope. Right? Have you ever experienced something like that before? Well, this is precisely what happened to Paul when he wrote the book of Ephesians, and in particular in chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. You see, Paul was chained to a Roman soldier for 24 hours a day in a prison. He was chained to a Roman soldier. I just picture, you know, what kind of a, sol- uh, a prisoner... Paul would have been, I think he would have been a pretty delightful prisoner, you know. From other parts of Scripture that we read, I mean, we see him singing praises to God. And, and, and he, I don't think he would have been the type that would have caused grief to the, to the uh, soldiers, you know. In fact, he would have probably spoken words of hope over them and, and told them about Jesus and, and gave them just something to think about and something to ponder and, and told them good things about their lives. I'm sure that he would have been a delightful uh, prisoner. But, but when it came time to write this letter, Paul kind of, he was reminded of the Roman soldier. And it was a picture that he saw, and his imagination started to unfold, 
And it was right there that God inspired him through his thought process, so to speak, to write chapter 6, verses 10 to 18, going through each piece of armor, item by item, and giving insight to the saints about the spiritual armor we have. Because I'm sure you would have been like, yeah, this is a battle. And at the time, the church was in a battle. They were under persecution. It was a battle to be a Christian, to break away from Judaism and become a, a whole new sect, so to speak. And so it was a battle. And they were being persecuted. Not only that, the Romans weren't too pleased with them. And so it was a battle, literally and spiritually. And so he thought, oh, what can I say to encourage the saints? And the Lord began to inspire his thought process. And this is what we get in verses 10 to 18. And so for this series, what we're going to do, we're going to go through item by item. You know, we'll, I'll take out the sword and we'll, we'll, we'll analyze that and ask the Lord to kind of unpack that. We'll, we'll look at the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, and so on. Uh, we're going to go through each item. Um, uh, but <clears throat> because, um, you know, I believe there is... Um, a lot to unpack about what Paul wrote here. I mean, it's so crucial for us. Crucial for us to understand the spiritual battle that, that we, t- we are in. But today I want to focus on one thing that I believe is the most important thing. It is the most important aspect of spiritual warfare. You see, putting armor on someone doesn't automatically make them a soldier. Am I right? I mean, if I were to put all this on and just walk into the battle, I have no idea how to use a sword, man. I don't know what to do. It doesn't automatically make you a soldier. If I were to put football equipment on, I wouldn't automatically become Brandon Lowen, okay? It's just no way. I might be able to run faster than you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know that's not true. Uh, <laughs> uh. Right? It doesn't automatically make you a soldier. If we, we need to understand the armor. We need to know the purpose of the armor. We need to know not only how to put it on, but how it works. Not only that, we need to know how the enemy attacks so that we know what to engage when the enemy attacks. Without all these necessary truths, the armor is simply a costume. It's, it's really what it is. And the, the spiritual armor, just going back to the spiritual aspect of it, spiritual armor without understanding the battle, without this crucial piece that I want to talk about this morning, without that, it's simply something we memorize and we don't put into practice. That's what it becomes. There is this one thing that we really need to know before we talk about the armor, and that is this. That is this. The spiritual armor is activated through prayer. Through prayer. Without prayer, the spiritual armor is not activated. It can't work. We activate through prayer. As Paul mentions, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. The armor of God is activated. The power source of the armor is activated through a life that is in continual prayer. How many of you know Beth Moore? What a powerful speaker, you know? She's so, she's so passionate for Jesus. Profound truths 
come from her as she preaches. She said this about prayer. There are parts of our calling, works of the Holy Spirit, and defeats of the darkness that will come no other way than through furious, fervent, faith-filled, unceasing prayer. Some of the battles that we face, overcoming them will only come through unceasing prayer. Unceasing prayer. Prayer is so important, church. It is so important for us to engage in a lifestyle of prayer. Yet if I were to ask each of you a question, how important is prayer to you? How would you answer that question? I'm not asking you in a way that heaps condemnation over you. That is the last thing I want to do. That's not what this is about. It's a question meant to challenge you on the most important aspect of the spiritual battle that we face. How important is prayer in your life? Think of it this way. In an actual battle, in war, two nations are at war against each other. The armies of each nation, they have officers and generals. There's a central command, right? And then there are troops, Boots on the ground, so to speak. Now, it is imperative that communication flows from central command to the boots on the ground. Here is a picture of a soldier here. That soldier may be on the ground, and he's surrounded by a horde of enemy forces. He needs to be able to communicate with central command. He needs to be able to do that. He may need to do that to call in for air support. Now, church... This may sound cheesy, but we need air support. We do. We absolutely do. We need God to send in spiritual reinforcements when we are facing trials of many kinds. We need help from above. We need to connect to the one who knows everything, who knows the enemy, who knows the battle that you're facing, knows the circumstances that are coming at you from frontwards, sidewards, backwards. He knows the thought process of how the enemy is throwing darts at you. He knows all that. He knows. And guess what? He knows the strategy to overcome that. God does. We need to connect to him. We need to hear from him through prayer. Now, last week, you might remember that I mentioned in my sermon called a resurrected perspective. We talked about having a resurrected perspective. And in that message, I said that sometimes what we need to do is pray less about the event and more about perspective, less about some things happening around us and more about something to happen in us, that we need a new or resurrected perspective. I talked about that. Now, we may need that for prayer as well. Because here's the thing. Perhaps the reason why Christians don't engage in a lifestyle of prayer is because we don't have the right perspective about God and who God is. That God is powerful. That God is all-knowing. That God is with us. That God cares for us. He wants us to pray, call to me, call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things you have not known. God wants us to do that. But if we don't know that, then we're not going to do that. 
perhaps what we need is a new perspective about God. Now, I love this saying. I saw this picture at, at one of our church members' homes. can't remember. Oh, maybe it was yours. Yes, it was yours. Um, and uh, I loved it, by the way. I just... Anyway, this is, don't tell God how big your storm is. Tell the storm how big your God is. And I thought, wow, I like that. I really like that. I'm going to put that on my, uh, um, my desktop. That's very nice. You know, but it's true. It's true. I love this saying because it's talking about perspective. It's talking about perspective, right? Perhaps for some of us here this morning, perhaps what we need is a bigger revelation of who God is. Perhaps what we need is a greater understanding of who God is is. Now, for some of us here, I know, I know, I know you are facing trials. You are facing difficult situations. And it's like all around you. And I know that your face is ever towards the Father in prayer. I know, I know that you are constant in prayer. And when the devil throws something at you, you're like, oh, it's going to be like that, huh? All right. And you go to God in prayer. I know. I know there are those of us here that are like that. But for some of us, perhaps we haven't just done that in a while. Maybe it's been a while since you prayed to God and experienced His wonder-working power in your life. Well, I am here today to remind you of who God is. My hope is to encourage you to have the right perspective about God. Because this is so important when we are in a battle. We have to know and to trust central command. We have to know and trust God. We need to know who God is and that God is able. That God is able. When all hell breaks loose around you, God is able. God is able to overcome the power of hell. God is boss. When the trials begin mounting up like mighty waves, there is someone who is mightier. It's God. God is able. God is able to calm a storm with one word. For God is mighty. When temptations arise and surround you on all sides, there is a way. There is a way out. It's God. God is able. He's able to deliver you. God is your deliverer. When discouragement and dismay fills your heart, God is able. He is able to speak hope into your heart that totally dispels the darkness. God is your hope. There are some really close friends of ours who attend, actually they attend Catch the Fire, and uh, I saw them here yesterday. Um, they were a part of the Encounter Weekend. And uh, they, these, it's just a young couple um, with three kids, two daughters and, and a son. I asked them if I could share this. They are like, oh, for sure, James. So... Their names are Pat and Kathy um, Murray, and um, they even said, please use our names because um, they want this story to be shared. Um, and, you know, God's actually given them a platform to, to be able to share this uh, all across this nation, actually, of what happened in their lives. So Pat and Kathy, uh, they had a son. His name, was, his name is, sorry, not was, is Ethan. Um, at 11 months of age, they... You know, he started to, to kind of be lethargic, and he was throwing up a lot, and they just couldn't understand what was going on. He, he would sleep and have a really hard time waking up, and so they took him to the doctors. And, of course, they did a, a bunch of tests and thought, you know, there's nothing really wrong. Just give him fluids. So they sent him back home. 
uh, but his symptoms got worse. And so they went back to the hospital and they ran further tests. And um, I mean, I believe this was by the grace of God. They just, the doctor suddenly said, you know, I, I think we need to do some more in, intensive tests here. We need to do an MRI. And so they, they scheduled an MRI, got him in. And what they found was that Ethan, at 11 months of age, had a brain tumor. Um, how big did he say? I, I can't remember exactly how big, but it was quite substantial uh, to the point where it was blocking, um, where fluids get passed down, it was blocking that totally. And so that's what was causing him to react the way he did. And so the doctors came and, and said, you know, came at the hospital, came out and told Kathy um, the news. And at this point, she had no idea what was wrong. And then the doctor said that Ethan had a uh, very rare, very rare brain tumor. And it's the type that grows and spreads uh, quite quickly. And um, it was a message of almost, almost hopelessness. And uh, she was just so broken, so devastated in that moment, you know. And Pat, he was on his way to the hospital, and he had no idea. I mean, he didn't know. Um, he got to the hospital and saw his wife just broken down in tears. And he's wondering, well, what's going on? So, the, so they told him the news, and he just, you know, just broke down. And they were so devastated, you know, at 11 months' age that this could happen. And... Um, and so he, he went through surgery. Um, it took seven hours to get a lot of that tumor, but not totally. They, didn't, they weren't able to get it out totally. Um, and so after they took most of it out, um, the doctors came back and said, there is a high chance that the, the tumor will grow back. Um, and so they had to do chemo and radiation. But again, this type of tumor is very rare. Chemo doesn't even really touch it. Um, and so... There was just a message of real despair. And what Kathy and Pat did was amazing. They were, they were filled with faith all of a sudden. I mean, it's, when I hear this, I'm thinking, how could you have that kind of response of faith? I mean, I, I can't even imagine being in their situation. But it, God just does something where his grace is upon them and they just were filled with faith and they took it to their church in prayer. Their church was praying. They enlisted prayer warriors all over Facebook, you know, and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And not long ago, so Ethan has to go in for regular checkups and tests, of course, with something like this. Um, This was just not too long ago, actually. They went in, got another MRI done, and the doctors were looking at the two MRIs, okay? So the one that had a portion of the tumor still left and a more recent one where there is absolutely nothing, completely restored. And they're looking at this, going like this. Is this the same brain? Is this the same person? Yes, yes it is. And the doctors were kind of just astounded by this. And they were saying, you know, we can't explain this. This is a very rare tumor. I mean, sure, things like this happen in the medical field, but it's very rare. And they were, the doctors were astounded. And Kathy and Pat were able to tell the doctors, we had an army of prayer warriors praying. 
And they're like, God answered your prayers. You know, completely restored. Now, here's another thing. Ethan was, just after the surgery, something weird happened. So when he cried, only his, let me think here, only his left eye can cry tears. His right eye couldn't cry tears. And actually, it almost looked like he had a bit of a stroke or something like that. Well, just last week, Pat and Kathy told me about this. Just last week, Ethan was playing. He was having fun, right? Just laughing and in a joyful state of mind. And he's, by the way, back to normal. I mean, he's running around. He's, you know. And in his joy, he cried a tear of joy in the right eye that couldn't previously be, you know, because they thought that's a condition he'll have forever. In fact, the doctor said that those are some of the side effects that he could have forever. But again, tears flowed down the other side. And they gave glory to God who is able. Nothing is impossible for God. No matter what circumstances we face in life, church, we can turn to God, we can turn to God. I don't know exactly what you're going through. I don't know what trials you are facing right now. And I I don't know what kind of accusations the enemy is attacking you with, constantly bringing things against you. He might be saying things like, you fail. There you go, you fail again. Look what you did. God will never forgive you. He might be saying things like, who do you think you are? The enemy might be saying things like, your mistake will never leave you. Have you ever heard that one before? Or, God can't fix this. You're stuck forever. The devil can be relentless, can't he? He is relentless. In fact, because the devil, our adversary, is so relentless, Scripture teaches us about that. The Bible talks about this. In 1 Peter 5, verse 8, it says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Peter is telling the church to be alert. Know your enemy. But you want to know something? This caught my attention the other day when I was reading this and just pondering this scripture. This hit me. It came out like a light bulb. You know when those moments happen? When you're reading scripture and all of a sudden God speaks to you out of the scripture, just one part of it, and it's like, whoa, you get a revelation? This is what happened. Get ready for this. This is awesome. Okay? The Bible says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. It doesn't say that he is a roaring lion. Did you catch that? Let that sink in for a moment. Okay. The devil is like a roaring lion. He isn't a roaring lion. He masquerades as a roaring lion. He isn't a lion. There's only one lion. His name is Jesus. He is our God. We sang about it this morning. Our God, our God is a lion. He is the lion of Judah. He's roaring with power. He's 
fighting our battles. That's talking about authority. God has authority. The devil doesn't have authority. He thinks he has authority. He masquerades like he has authority. He pretends to have authority. He doesn't. God does. God has authority. He is the one with power. Every knee will bow before him. Every knee will bow before the Lion of Judah, including the adversary, including the devil. The devil is an imposter. He's a fraud. He's a liar. The scripture talks about that too. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. It's his nature to do that. Our God is the lion. He is the one with authority. Our God reigns. He reigns with power over all the power of the enemy. And church, you can take that one to the bank all day. So church, wherever you are at, whatever experience you are going through, whatever battle, whatever thoughts come assaulting your mind, trust God. Look to God because he is able. He is powerful. Turn to God because he loves you. He cares for your every need. He says, call to me. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and hidden things you have not known. Activating the armor that God gives us happens when we pray, when we look to the Lion of Judah who roars with power and authority. If you're in agreement this morning, say amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you once again for this day, God, and we acknowledge that you are the Lion of the tribe of Judah that you are the one with power and authority over every sickness, over every situation, over every lie of the enemy that comes against us. You have authority. Lord, we ask that you would give us victory over the things that we face in this life, that we would be able to stand firm in the armor of God in your strength. God, because you are the one who gives strength to the weak. And God, we just thank you so much that we can be in your presence that we can be hidden under the shelter of your wings and that we can overcome, that there is no situation impossible for you. We look to you as our source, as our central command, as the one who gives us guidance, leadership, strategies over all the power of the enemy. God, be with us, each and every one of us. This morning, I pray for your protection over each person each family member, that you would protect us from all the attacks and assaults of the enemy. God, that we would be able to stand firm and use the victory that you have given us to proclaim it over the enemy's work around us. We love you, Lord. You're on our side. We thank you for that. And we declare you are able. You are God. You are able. So we love you, Lord. We're here for you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen.